You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. Welcome back to the Comic Book Bullies with Nerd is the New Bully. I'm your host, Leroy, with my co-host. This is Eli. Yep, and today it is a day that we have been dreading. Uh, we've been hoping it wasn't anything we were going to hear. We were hoping we were going to make it out of 18 without hearing this no news, but it looked like it finally happened. Uh, we just want to say rest in peace to Stan Lee. Yes, so, so. sad day for nerds everywhere. Exactly, and the thing is, like I said, normally when we do a podcast and there's like a death of a celebrity and stuff like that, we normally just do it and just move on to the rest of the podcast. We're going to do something different this time. This is this is Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just just anybody. And, you know, recipes to everybody, you know, that we've talked about before. But this is Stan Lee. So what we're going to do is that we're going to do a tribute episode to Stan Lee because Stan Lee deserves it. Yeah, I don't think I mean, with the rise in nerd culture, everybody doing nerd podcasts are probably would not be doing it with if it wasn't for Stan Lee. I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't be reading comics without Stan Lee. Probably. So, I mean, he's yeah. he, his what he's done has touched so many parts of our lives <laughs> that it's it's crazy, right? When, and and you know, touching more lives, like I said, he's gotten to the point now that we're probably talking maybe a hundred years down the road from mm-hmm. today, they'll still be mentioning his name. Yeah, I mean, just just like Tolkien, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's created a world and the and characters that have that will basically go on to live forever i mean especially now we have the marvel studios marvel movies being made and introducing these characters to a whole new generation of fans you know so i mean yeah he 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 will live on in in the hearts of us all you know and plus we owe it to ourselves also because we need to talk about stan lee's life and what he contributed to comics to nerd culture to movies, to pop culture, to fiction. Mm-hmm. All, we need to like discuss this stuff because I think we're at a point now that a lot of kids are just jumping into it. And you know these these kid kids don't read comics nowadays. Yeah. And, and most of Stan Lee's, you know, in his heyday, the stuff that where he was really breaking ground was like back in the 60s and 70s, stuff like that. So they're not going back and read that stuff either. So they only know Stan Lee from one thing. They only know him from cameos. Pretty much, yeah. And, and to <laughs> them, he's the cameo guy. That's it. Uh, some I, I even saw a Facebook post earlier today that they said that uh, uh, a mom told her kid, you know, Stan Lee passed away today, and the kid asks, "Are they gonna make any more Marvel movies?" <laughs> like, yeah, that's not gonna stop making Marvel movies because of Stan Lee. But at the same time, uh, that's what he's known for. And the funny thing is, like, you know, they always have these like like highest grossing actors of all time and stuff like that, and they got these numbers. Like, it used to be, like, Samuel Jackson, and then when Force Wing came out, Harrison Ford jumped over him. But if you really look at the numbers, 
it's really Stan Lee? I guess, yeah. <laughs> because he's been in all of these movies. I mean, because Marvel, uh, the MCU is the highest grossing franchise in U.S. history, like by far, and it's not stopping, you know. Uh, yeah, course, and, and he was he was doing cameos even before the MCU. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and they were hits. So it got yeah. to the point, like, and that's what people know him for. Like, if they see Stan Lee in a movie, then it's going to be a hit. You know, everybody was like, okay, where's the cameo? They see the cameo, everybody's clapping, everybody's happy and stuff, and, you know, it goes on from there. So, yeah, he, he's the cameo guy, but, I mean, he does a lot more. Well, he did a lot more than just made cameos, and that's what we're here to talk about, you know. Yeah. Um, Trying to pull up some numbers right now. Okay, so, like I said, let's first talk about Stan Lee. We're going to start from the beginning. Like I said, his name is uh, a pen name like most authors do that they don't have they don't use their real name use a pen name his real name is stanley martin lieber mm-hmm. like i said we looked at it he was born in 1922 uh he started working for timely comics timely comics was eventually turned into marvel he started there i think when he was 18 yeah, he was still in high school yeah still in high school when he started there now a lot of times people are listening we're going to go down a list of characters that stanley helped create or put his name and contribution on uh, one of the characters he didn't have a hand in creating is Captain America. Yeah, so, that was Kirby. That was Kirby, and that was Joe Simon. However, Captain America Comics number three was his first writing assignment. That was the first time he got writing credit. Okay. So that was then, and he wrote like it. And it wasn't, he didn't write the entire story because back then, when you bought comics, there were like 50 pages like that. And then each, pe- each person contributed whatever, whatever, whatever to it. So he contributed, and his page was like, 11 pages, something like that. I can't remember. It was something to do with Nazis or something. You know, the same old, same old. You know, Captain America. So that's where he started, and then he went on from there. But here's the interesting thing about comics. Like I said, he started writing back in the 40s during World War II, and it's cool. But after World War II, and then the government started cracking down on the, on the, the violence and sex in comics, superhero comics all of a sudden died. You couldn't sell superhero comics. Only, only three superhero comics still sold from the 40s to like to the 60s or 70s or to today and that was superman batman and wonder woman that's why they're called the trinity because if it wasn't them they died flash canceled green lantern canceled they was all done when they came back they were something else but the thing is what stan lee did uh well timely comics were doing at the time they weren't doing like i said they kept going they didn't close the doors anything like that but they weren't making superhero comics they're making monster comics they were making romance comics <laughs> for some reason, if it makes any sense. And they were actually like some of the most popular ones back then. Jack Kirby cranked out romance comics left and right back then. Uh, and Westerns. Westerns were super popular. They had the Rawhide Kid. You had the Two-Gun Kid. Uh, both of them eventually came Avengers. The original Ghost Rider. The original Ghost Rider. He was a Western whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, so that's what they did. But the thing is, and Stan Lee got sick of that shit. He got sick of writing romance and monster comics, stuff like that. So he was ready to quit. Yeah. And But the thing is, his wife told him, like, if you're going to quit, at least write the comics you want to quit. Because he got tired of writing this, this drivel. Because that's the thing. Comics back then were considered for kids. I mean, you can say that now. But they were really considered for kids. They were considered for kids. They were considered throwaway. They weren't considered real, you know, literature. They were just junk. You just crank yeah. out and just move on. So his wife told him that if you're gonna get out of you know get out of writing comics and you're tired of doing it, write the story that you want to write. 
you know, yeah. if, if you're going to get out of it anyway, might, what they're going to do, fire you? So, yeah, and he was get his uh, boss had given him an assignment. So he wanted a team of superheroes. And, and because Stan, the Justice like, League were popular, yeah. give me a Justice League. Yeah, yeah, since yeah, Justice League was selling, they said we need we need we need a team of superheroes. Give it, and Stan didn't want to do it. He's like, I don't want to write superheroes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what he said. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so he said, yeah. yeah. So he said, give me a Justice League book. That's what the editor said. Give me a Justice League book, and they said, like, okay, I'll give you a team of superheroes. And he made Fantastic Four number one. Yep. And the thing was, the Fantastic Four number one changed the comic industry altogether. Because, like I said, it was him and Jack Kirby. Those two guys changed comics overnight. One thing, because they actually didn't even draw it as a superhero comic. The book was actually disguised as a monster comic. Yeah. Because on the cover, if you look at the cover of Fantastic Four number one, none of them had superhero costumes. They yeah. were in regular ass clothes fighting, and the they're the the small part of it. The thing is, the biggest part of it was like some kind of huge monster, green kraken, or some shit like that, you know. So he was the biggest focus of it. So they were like, if you look at the book, you think it's a monster book. So you don't think it's it, yeah, and it followed the the, the the those monster tropes of the time of you know like the Godzilla you know mythology of the atomic age, the fear of the the, the nuclear weapons. And um, and the space race that, that at the time that was popular in science fiction and horror monsters being created by atomic bombs, you know, mutating big giant insects and Godzilla and shit like that or space aliens. And that's and so, actually what happened yep. in the comic in, in Fantastic yeah. Four. They Reed Richards was trying to beat everybody in the space race. Yeah, because this is before, you know, before everybody went to the moon. So he jumped in the rocket, and the Fantastic Four were the first ones to go into space. They got hit by radiation. Bam, they got powers. Yeah. So the same monster trope we've always seen before. And matter of fact, that's why the thing is even on the group. And that's why he's yeah. the biggest on the cover. Because, okay, if this superhero shit don't sell, at least we got a big orange monster on there. Monster sell. So there you go. Yeah. And so, Which actually brings me to another point. Another reason why Stan Lee changed the name. Now, Stan Lee said he changed his name because he said he didn't want to be associated with comics and he decided to do something else, you know, they yeah. won't they were thinking something else. Eli, I always think it was it was something more than that. It was that, but I think it was something else. I think it's because and it wasn't just him, it was other writers at the time. He was trying to hide the fact he was a Jew. Oh, maybe, yeah. Could have been. And it wasn't just him, it was also Jacob Kersberg a.k.a. Jack Kirby, and other guys at that time also. They didn't want to know. That's just why they were Jewish, but a lot of times in the book, there were no Jewish characters in the book, even though that was their religion. There was only one Jewish character at the time, and that was the thing. <laughs> That's right. You know, but it was funny about that because the thing is actually, and I actually did some like reading on Wikipedia, stuff like that. The thing is based off like a, a Jewish like rock monster. They call him the Gollum. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's all based, and you know, these guys were always into religion and mythology and stuff like that. So they snuck this stuff in the books, even like back then in the 60s. You know, they were trying to do something more than what, they, what they're doing. But the reason why Fantastic Four has separated themselves from every other comic, not only did they fight monsters and do wild shit like that, but they all had different personalities. Yeah, they didn't get along. They didn't get along. They argued all the time. They fought all the time. They were like a real family. They had yeah. money issues. You know, they got in like the first run. They got kicked out of the Baxter Building. They had to find a way to you know sell patents. 
they didn't deal with that stuff in other comics. They didn't care what the regular people were doing with people with regular problems. Yeah. You know, uh, and on, let's say, you know, I hate to knock on DC, but on the DC side of it, because they were still cranking out superheroes, every superhero felt cookie cutter. You know, they all, yeah. they all had the same, exact same personalities. Like, if you put the the letterbox on this superhero, it could be the exact, like, Superman and Batman pretty much acted the exact same back then. Yeah. You know. And that's what I yeah I mean the thing about Marvel comics is you could relate to their their, their characters whereas like DC heroes there are all these grandiose uh, unattainable characters like Superman was fucking Superman he could do anything you know Batman was this rich billionaire you know Wonder Woman's a Amazon goddess you right. know you go through the Justice League yeah Hal Jordan's this ace fighter pilot I mean you. You, no one could relate to that, but you know Peter Parker was an awkward teenager. You know, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic Four were, were a bunch of bickering, a bunch of bickering siblings, pretty much. You know, <laughs> you know, arguing all the time. You know, pretty much. But Johnny yeah. never, you know, always arguing. Thing was always pissed off. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and Reed Richards always, yeah, yeah, nerding out all the time and ignoring his thing, wife. Yeah. you know, yeah. Thing is, just like, ah, just shut up. Let's go get him. It's clobber time. Just, <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's another thing about it is that Stan Lee was writing real characters. He was he was the first comic book writer to make the character more interesting than the actual hero. Yeah. Like we like when we talk about the Fantastic Four, we never really call him Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman. We call him by the real names because we relate to them. You know? And yeah. he did that with them. He did that with Tony Stark. You know, we, we call him Tony Stark before we call him Iron Man. You know? Yeah, I, yeah. The 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 alter ego was what made them interesting. The hu the humanizing of these heroes, right? Because these heroes, they didn't want to be heroes. I mean, the thing didn't want to be the thing. You know, he it didn't want to look like it was that. A curse to him, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Spider Man. He, you know, he had all these problems before he got bit by the spider, and when he got when it, once he got those powers, his life even got more difficult <laughs> right you know what i mean and pretty much those early books every book was him like damn how can i get rid of these powers so i can just go back to normal because this shit is making life even worse than what it was yeah x-men they all got these powers but society hates them like these heroes were so complex that yeah they they weren't yeah like what dc is like we're we're the good guys there was that clear line of good and evil with dc whereas there was this gray area with marvel which made them so much more you know easier to identify with you know? Right, and the thing about back then, like Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne, and you know all of, they were th like the actual alter ego of those characters. No one cared; they were throwaway. Yeah. Like they, we really care about Superman and Batman. Clark Kent, who cares what he does in his in spare time? Who cares yeah. he got to pay rent? You know that, that's not interesting to them. Yeah. But Peter Parker, on the other hand, it was interesting. You were more, you know, concerned about that. It's almost like, damn, stop him! I don't want to give a fuck about he fighting. You know, Sandman, get back to where he's, you know, arguing with Mary Jane and Harry and stuff. Yeah, get man. Back to that part. Yeah, I'm sitting there watching Spider-Man Homecoming, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You, you, <laughs> that chick wants you, man. What are you doing? Fuck, fuck the vulture. Go, right. <laughs> go back and get some, man. Right. He's in high school trying to balance this stuff with him and his yeah. aunt. I'm like, that's more interesting than him fighting supervillain. Same thing with Tony Stark. I mean, when we're watching those movies, the most boring part of the movie is when he's Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, we want to see Robert Downey Jr. just do some Robert Downey Jr. shit, you know. It's that, a, that was the essence of Marvel, is 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 giving, taking these super godlike beings and bringing them down to our level. Yeah. 
And it was, it was like I said, it's another trope that, and you brought it up earlier, Eli. There's another trope that Stanley also had about the radiation thing. Stanley did go to the well on radiation a little bit too much. Almost every superhero he made back then was radiation. Fantastic Four, yeah. Spider Man, even the X Men. Because basically, what we're trying to say is that the X Men in the early, like the first issue, he was trying to say like their parents were exposed to atomic energy or radiation or worked at a nuclear yeah. plant. The and Hulk. The Hulk. The Hulk. Right. So yeah. <laughs> he kept going to that, and because I mean, we could say he went to the well in it, but at the same time, Stan Lee was trying to tell us something because in the '60s, nuclear like they was smack dab in the Cold War. Yeah. So yeah. nuclear threat was real. You know, they yeah. like this shit could happen at any time. You know, that's yeah, why they have all like, these bomb shelters and stuff, thinking it's gonna protect them from nuclear, you know, nuclear bomb stuff like that. It really wasn't, but you know, they kept building them, thinking it was gonna happen. Yeah, science experiments going out of control and, you know, creating these, yeah, the, these mutants or super beings or whatever, you know. Yeah, that and that was a real threat. I mean, it, this, the fear of the atomic age, the bomb. I mean, well, yeah, we, the, the atomic bomb had just been invented, you know. <laughs> right. We, we found the power to destroy our world, you know, 20 times over and it was, it was, it was scary. And so that was, all these characters are like a metaphor to express that fear. So are no. you trying to tell me Stan Lee was putting in social commentary? <laughs> SJW. <laughs> I mean, that's what it sounds like. You know, I mean, yeah. that's that's the angle he was going for. He was trying to say something with these characters. He wasn't just cranking out crap after crap after crap. He was trying to say something with these books, you know, about, yeah. you know, radiation and the threats of it and the dangers of, you know, using science for war. You know, they already saw what happened with Hiroshima. They're like, that shit could happen at any time. And Stan Lee went to World War II. Right. You know, he was in World War II. He, he you know, he, he went, he was there. He, he experienced war. And so he knew what he was talking about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and another but, thing, like, he made these characters so real. Like, let's take a look at, at Spider-Man for a second. Like I said, the, you know what? I'm, I'll save that for later on. I'm not going to worry about that right now. We'll come back to it. Uh, another thing that made Stan Lee separate comics and put, you know, made them more realistic than, say, like with DC and, you know, Batman and Superman were doing. Like, Superman's from Metropolis. Uh, Batman's from Gotham. Where is Spider-Man, Daredevil, and Tony Stark, and the Avengers? Where are they all from? They're from New York. New yeah. York City. Not a made-up New York City. They're in New York City. Doctor Strange. Like, they have, they, he actually gave them addresses. You know, yeah. Avengers Mansion is, like, on the outside of Central Park. You know, you can Yancey find Street. Yancey yeah. Street, you know. Uh, Doctor Strange is in Greenwich Village, you know. Spider-Man stays in Queens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know this stuff is realistic. So Daredevil's in Hell Kitchen. Yeah. Daredevil's in Hell's Kitchen. It's four blocks, but he protect the hell out of those four blocks, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, Fantastic Four, they stay in Manhattan. You know, the X-Men stay at, where would the X-Men stay? Uh, it's a real place. I can't remember the name of it. It's like I'm not from New York, so I don't know. Whatever yeah. it's like in the upper, like where the rich people. I stay thought in. I thought it was upstate New York somewhere. I it's thought it was some, like somewhere upstate New York, somewhere but, upstate, like out of the city or whatever. I, I'm not sure. I'm not an X Men fan, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was upstate New York somewhere. It, it is somewhere like upstate <laughs> Buffalo New York. or something. No, no, no. It's, it's in New York, but it's like. I can't remember. It's like where, wherever the rich people are, that's where they are. But it's a, it's a real place. I know that much. Out in like the, the Hamptons and Long Island? Some shit. I don't know. I, all I know is that I've looked it up in a map before, and it was right there. 
Okay. <laughs> so, because that's what Stanley did. He always put these places in real. Because he was like, I want to. The reason he did it because he wasn't trying to like reinvent the real. Or I had this cool idea. He was like, I don't feel like making up no shit. I don't feel like making up Metropolis and Gotham or whatever the fuck. I can look at my window and I can see Central Park or I can see, you know, Times Square. Just stick them shits over there. I know those areas. Yeah. So and so in those early stories when they were like going around and fighting, he's actually putting like street addresses in there and stuff. Oh, you go by the landmark of that, you know, rock, uh, you know, uh, Radio City, you know, plaza stuff like that. Apollo Theater, you know, all this stuff is like in the comics. So I'm like, okay, Stan Lee. I mean, even though it was a throwaway thing for him, it changed comics because it made it more realistic. Mm-hmm. And so that's what made it so awesome, man. And then on top of it, just about the powers, like the powers didn't just. He didn't just go nuts with the powers. Like, for instance, like, let's go back to Superman again. We keep naming the wrong things that they did with Superman that he was writing. Uh, like, Superman can just make pow- just pull powers out of his ass anytime he felt like it. Yeah. You know, he can uh, shoot many midgets out of his hand if he felt like it. You know, he could sneeze away a galaxy just because he felt like it. He could fly because he felt like it. There was no explanation for any of this shit. Stan the Lee- super kiss that... Was that one kid. movie where he kisses Lois Lane and she right. can't she gets amnesia and shit. You're like, what the, is that what you're going to do with everybody? If Lex Luthor know you're, you're, <laughs> you're then you're just going to kiss him? Hook <laughs> her up, Lex. You know. So that's what he did with the Super So in the, in the Marvel Universe, he actually gave everybody like limits. So it, they didn't have to worry about Kryptonite you know, to beat them. You could actually beat them. Like I think with, with Human Torch or Johnny Storm, I think he could only like, fly around for a little while. He would get like get exhausted if he did like He just got tired. You could spray him with water and he'd fall. And he'd fall right, <laughs> just that easy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, uh, Spider-Man, like he was strong, but he could still get his ass kicked, you know? And he'd like, run out of web fluid. He'd run out of mean? web fluid. Like, yeah. like, I think they actually said, I think Tom McFarlane said, like, Spider-Man is the first superhero to get his ass kicked. Like, it was by yeah. Vulture or Dr. Octopus, something like that. Like, you've never seen anything like that before, you know? And that was, and, and that was like, when Stan said that, when, when he proposed Spider-Man as a character to, to his boss, he's like, I want to make a teenage superhero. He's like, you can't have a teenager. They're sidekicks. They, 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 they got Robin and, you know, Kid Flag. He, he, no, you got, superheroes got to be, a, they got to be adults. But he's like, I kept, he, he kept getting, Stan kept receiving all these me- letters from high school kids. And he's like, I got I to gotta make a, a high school kid a, 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 a superhero. And that's what was the idea for Spider-Man. But they thought it wasn't going to work. And look what <laughs> Right. They didn't know what the idea was. They were like, uh, but he's a kid. But you call him a Spider-Man? That doesn't make any sense. You know, yeah. Like and that's why I didn't, you know? yeah, they didn't give Spider-Man his first book. They gave the, okay, well, if you want to do that character, throw him into a Amazing Fantasy or whatever. One Which of was our about to get canceled anyway. Right. Yeah, they, yeah, like just throw him in that one. We'll give you a 10-page story, throw that shit in there, and then that's, that's, that was the catalyst, right? There. Right. <laughs> yeah. And boom, they just had another hero. So it's yeah. just like that. It's, it's just that they were cranking out so many characters at the time. I mean, just like, just because the character wasn't popular at the time it might have got popular later on like black panther you know mm-hmm. at the time it was a throwaway character stan was just cranking out wakanda vibranium whatever and now we look at it as a 1.3 billion movie dollar movie and it's probably yeah. other characters like iron man's like that yeah you know he made iron man iron man was sort sort of kind of popular he liked iron man but iron man didn't really take off fast forward and now later he he's pretty much the catalyst of the mcu 
Yeah. You know, just because of the DNA of that character is right there, you know. And it's always been the same. It's always been, you know, Playboy, Billionaire, Tony Stark, Inventor, you know. And the funny thing about it, like, the way he had Tony Stark, he had Tony Stark in two roles. Like, he was in his own Iron Man comic. And then he was also in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic. Yes, Stan Lee invented Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. also, for all you fans out there, whatever. So he was, And the thing is, the folks in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they just saw Tony Stark. They had no idea he was Iron Man. And Iron Man never appeared in those books. All he was was just the guy that was just cranking out tech for him. Yeah. And so it was just pretty. And, that's, a, and that's, a, that's another thing he did. He invented the Marvel Universe. He made a universe. Yeah. It wasn't this yeah. guy over here and that guy over there. Any guy that can pop up in any book at any time. Yeah. And whatever happened in that book will affect this book over here. And that, that was mind-blowing at the time. You know, now it's like you can't you can't make a, a comic book universe and it don't connect. <laughs> so, so much so yeah. much stuff he did, man. Uh, now, I do want to address something else with Stan Lee because I, I feel like you got some of those naysayers that's bringing up the bad shit that they think. Yeah, did. and I think we need to address that. I think we yeah, need to admit I, that. Yeah, because I mean, right now. my feed. Yeah, it's been a you know an awesome day of reading my feed on Facebook and seeing everybody, you know, doing their tributes to Stanley. But there's always those couple, those those few that got to be that one guy. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> one guy, like where? Just go yeah. away, man. Just don't yeah, do this the, shit right now. The one guy that's got to piss in everybody's fucking cereal. Like your your funny parties. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's being a a put. Oh, you're so edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Because you got that one unpopular opinion from everybody else, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's address it now. For those that don't know, like I said, Stan has been accused for years, decades, whatever. They say he's basically taking credit for stuff he didn't do, or you maybe have stole ideas, or maybe just stuck his name on some stuff, and basically saying he doesn't deserve. He, he doesn't deserve all this attention and credit that he, he's gotten. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I'm going to just put this out here, I say that is bullshit. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, like I said, today Stan has passed and I want to treat the man respect, which I do, but I've always said that was bullshit because I already know people have been saying that shit for decades and years that don't know what the fuck they're talking about and I already knew when this day happened those trolls and assholes are going to come out the woodworks and just start spewing bullshit that they know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Now, for one thing, Stan Lee has never said he invented the Marvel Universe by himself. That has never came out of his mouth. He has always gone out of his way to give credits to these other guys. Did these other guys have more impact on the uh, universe than he did? That's another, you know, another story for another day. But the point is, he gave them credit for that. He always named, he always, he never said, I created. He always said, I co-created. He always yeah. named, you know, Jack Kirby and John Ramita and Steve Steranko and Steve Dicko. Yeah. You know, all these guys and Don Heck. He always named these guys. He always make these guys bigger than what they are. If anything, he's the guy that made them celebrities. Because here's the Pretty thing much, about Stan yeah. Lee. And this is the biggest contribution out of all the characters like that. That's all cool, something like that. And all the stories he's written on, that's all cool like that. The biggest thing Stanley has ever done for the comic industry is that he is the greatest salesman the industry yes. has ever seen. Yes, I was just gonna say that. Yeah. That he um his his enthusiasm for these books and for his stories. And he sold yeah, he totally sold 
people on these on comics. He was a he was a defender of the comics industry. Right. Because because of his personality, because of who yeah. he was. He made people gravitate like they looked at him. They were like, "Okay, what book is Stan? He became the first comic book celebrity." Because yeah. Nobody know nobody knows who made Superman. Nobody knows who made. You can walk down the street right now and ask somebody who made Superman and Batman. They can't tell you. You probably know some comic book podcasts that don't know that shit. Mm-hmm. But ask somebody who made Spider Man. Ask somebody who made X Men or uh, or Iron Man. They can tell you. Anybody, my grandma can tell you. You know, yeah. and that's because Stan Lee was such a magnetic personality. He draw attention to the creators. So now, not only were you looking at Stan Lee, what book he's going, if you see a book you like, or you see an artist you like, you're gravitating to that book. And on top of that, he's the one that gave them, like, fancy names and gave, like, Jack the King Kirby. Stan Lee gave yeah. him that name. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was reading those fanta- I was reading Fantastic Four today. And the credits, you know, written, of course, he'd give himself, he'd toot his own horn as well but the man yeah written in the masterful manner of stan lee (laughs) illustrated in the magnificent mode of jack kirby you know inked by the majestic mood of joe synod or whatever you know he (laughs) he had like that that was the credits he just believed so much in these stories and and the creators behind them that he like everything about it was just all about grabbing your attention and look how great this shit is and that was all him he that was him he was writing this shit Right, you know, and you can so. say that he had no, like he had no input on stuff. Bullshit. Go back and read a Jack Kirby book with just him by himself. Go read some <laughs> of that New Gods bullshit. Everybody <laughs> want to say right. And, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna just say it. Everybody went, oh, New Gods the classic. New Gods like the most boringest shit you can ever. Read. That shit is like hard to fucking read, man. <laughs> I was just getting into somebody with that today. Right. I said, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Star Wars is better than New Gods. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Because that shit is hard to read, man. Yeah. It's like, it's tough. But, like, when Stan writes a book, you can tell the difference because characters actually have personality. Jack yeah. Kirby didn't put personalities in the shit. He wrote the book like those old DC books were. Because yeah. that's where he came from. But Stan Lee actually came in, gave guys different personalities, used slang. They actually used humor. He was the first guy to put humor in comic books. Yeah. You know, fucking nobody joked yeah. around these books. Yeah, fucking stretcho, you know... What's his name? Uh, ben Grimm's Colin Reed Richards Stretcho. And right, Matchstick, you know. <laughs> okay, Chrome Dome. And <laughs> Webhead and Shellhead. Yeah. yeah, fucking, that was all him. I mean, his soapbox, Stan Soapbox. Stan Soapbox, that was a game changer. Yeah. Because it got, not only he got a chance to, like, say the stuff that he wanted to say, and a lot of stuff was, like, super political, super topical, you know, super controversial, but that's what he felt at the time. But he can also, with those letter pages, interact with the audience, interact with the uh, readers sending them letters. Yeah. Because that's another thing about DC. DC didn't give a fuck what the fans thought. <laughs> like, the, the fans sent them something, well, why? In issues such and such, such and such, this happened. Fuck off. Who cares? <laughs> they move on. But Stan, on the other hand, will be like, he would actually try to give them an explanation. Or he wouldn't even give an explanation. He'd tell you, I tell you what, y'all give me an explanation. And if you yeah. give me an explanation, I will give you a no prize. Yeah. Nobody knew what the fuck a no prize was, but they did the shit anyway. <laughs> and he was saying, I will give you a no prize. So now I started to realize that, okay, Stan was actually like trolling people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he, he gave he gave his story. Not only did he create these characters, but he gave 
he made he he acted like every story that was written you had to read it it was the greatest tale ever told don't miss next month's perilous you know pageantry of perfection and issue number whatever of fantasy you know he, right it's all on the cover all on the splash yeah. page on the last page you yeah. like he made like damn well i better not miss that shit right <laughs> I'm so glad we have like digital now. I can just flip the pages, go to the next part of comic, uh, Marvel Unlimited. That shit yeah. was torture, you know, back in the '60s. The next month, like, well, I gotta read this shit. Yeah, uh, the greatest of the greats, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. It's not like they do so... now, where they crank out a book every week and you don't give a shit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He was just so he believed so much in what he was doing and these characters and these stories he was creating that he. He, he he did his best to sell it, and he did. I mean, and, and he we, sold himself with it also. He was a master salesman. It's like in sales, you always sell the company, you sell the product, you sell yourself. He did all of that shit, and he was the yeah. first one to do it. So yeah, so whatever you know, rift that between him and Jack Kirby, I'm sure they had their disagreements. But right, and, and keep you know, in it, mind, you know, we're not knocking Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby oh, no. was a, right. He was an icon in his own right. We just yes, saying Stan deserved credit also. All hail the king. Yes. Jack Kirby. Yes. He, <laughs> but, you know, whatever differences they had, it was still Stan putting the voice out there. Like, yeah, Jack Kirby's art was awesome. Iconic, def defining imagery of what we know as comics. But Stan put the voice in there. He put the character in there. Plus, yeah. he's the one that came with the names of all these characters. Think about all these names that, like, uh, the, the Kree the scroll Dormammu. Yeah. like this shit just rolls off the tongue yeah and you said i said like, yeah i was him yeah i just come up with a sound name or a sound like gru or grutter or kaboomer or whatever right <laughs> fin fang foom like sound <laughs> effects and i just make them a name and <laughs> right and, he, and then i did i pass it to kirby it, that was like a quote yeah then i'd pass it to jack and he'd do some shit right and he'd make the design <laughs> for the character and so like for instance Gru. Everybody yeah. loves Groot. Groot is a Stan Lee and Jack Kirby creation. Yeah. He's the only member of the Guardians that is. Because the thing was, like I said, we were just talking about those monster comics, like in the 50s, stuff like that. That's what Groot was. Groot, the monster from Planet X. He came down and just started killing people. Yeah. You know, and then they decided to, you know, turn around, keep them, and throw them in the Guardians, and that's it. But yeah, he started way back then, and it was just like Groot is a Stan Lee name. And it's, and there's no wonder it sticks out. Yeah. And then Kirby drew the shit, and he'd pass it to Kirby, and Kirby would put his stamp on it. And then right, the, awesome the Marvel, the Marvel method, you know, the 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 writer working with the artist. That <laughs> right, they didn't do that over in DC, you know. Yeah, and that was the Marvel method. So like Stan Lee, all the shit about oh Stan Lee didn't give credit to artists. No bu bullshit. The Marvel method is just that. The exactly. writer working with the <laughs> and he came out and said, "Yes, the Marvel method. That's what it is. The artist yeah. makes the art, and then the writer goes back and just put it in there. You know, yeah. I'm just effort. writing the words. <laughs> and he even said with Ditko, he was like, fucking Ditko's art was so awesome. It's like he felt like he didn't have to write as much. Right? You know, he I, I, he said he'd write all this work, he'd write all this text and word balloons, and then he'd get the fucking story from Ditko. He's like, damn." You're telling the story without words. I, I, he had to like use less writing, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they don't even know what they were doing. It was cinematic. Yeah, that's what they were doing even back then in the '60s. It was, it was insane. 
So, yeah. Uh, now, I do want to say one thing that I think, and, and keep in mind, all this stuff, even though we're shitting on DC right now, that was that was back in the 60s. DC actually changed what they did. Reason they changed what they did because, like I said, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby wrote the blueprint. They wrote the blueprint for all the stuff. So all the artists that came and writers that came after that start follow the same blueprint also. So what DC started doing was hiring Marvel artists. When they hired Marvel artists and Marvel writers like John Byrne and Frank Miller and all these guys like that, they brought that mentality and that formula over to DC. Yeah. So DC started doing the same shit Marvel was doing. And that's when you start seeing, you know, Stan, uh, uh, Superman and Batman started having different personalities. And, you know, Bruce Wayne started to be conflicted. And Superman, you know, is he Clark Kent or is he Superman? Dual identities. You know, they start having a complexity because of what Marvel did, because of what Stan Lee and Jack Kirby did. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, 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 all, it was all a trickle down effect. And it's not just them. Y'all love Valiant, right? Yeah. <laughs> Same shit. <laughs> oh, we really don't get hate on that. <laughs> this is the first uh, Valiant fans. That's the first time I listen to this bullshit podcast and they shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like Harbingers is totally not an X Men ripoff. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we just lost three viewers. <laughs> Shout out to Get Valid. Right. <laughs> they're doing big good. Big, they're doing good shit out here, man. They're, they really are, man. They put up big yeah. numbers. We're talking shit about it, but they put up numbers better than us every week. Yeah, man. They're do, doing big shit over there. Get Valiant, man. Yeah. Got fucking get interviews with creators and shit. Like <laughs> What's that Power Rangers guy? Jason Frank? The Green Ranger? Oh yeah. Yeah, he, he yeah. does like the intro or some shit. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they got going on over here. So, yeah, but that's all we got. But like I said, I do want to say one thing that Stan did have an issue with in his writing, and it's a big deal, and I think it actually trickled down negatively to to other writers and artists at the time. Stan didn't know how to write women. Stan had a (laughs) – it is what it is. It is what it is. It's the 60s. Stan was very progressive. You know, like I said, he did a lot for, you know, for minorities back then with his writing. But as far as women, he didn't give a shit. Uh, let's take a let's go down the list of some of the women he wrote. He wrote uh, Fantastic Four, but they really like the Fantastic Three with, with Invisible Woman getting kidnapped every other book. Yeah, you know, and re- Reed telling her to shut up all the time. Right, <laughs> <laughs> they're ignoring her the whole time. Quiet, you. Right, <laughs> I'm she, thinking <laughs> she goes invisible. The bad guys can see her anyway. <laughs> You're like, what's the yeah. point? Hey, okay, Sue, we need you now. Put up your force field thingy while I do some shit. Right. <laughs> Basically, hold my coat. Right. <laughs> That's all she was good for. Uh, the X-Men. Jean Grey was fucking useless in those early books, man. All she could do was lift a book. That was it. She wasn't Phoenix or, you know, Firebird or no shit like that. She could lift a book, and that was it. So when they went fighting Magneto and shit like that, she disappeared. She was nowhere around. She was just like, I, I'll go wait over here while you guys get your ass whooped and stuff like that. So all those characters didn't get fixed until she left. Wasp. Wasp and the Avengers. What the fuck can Wasp do? Fly around. That's it. And go smaller than Ant-Man. Like, we got an Ant-Man. We don't need another one. And so what's, she was... What's, ben, what's Ben's Grimm's old lady? The Oh. Uh, the blind one? Yeah. What the fuck's her name? Yeah, anyway, uh, she sucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fuck we, that bitch. Right. And like I said, we could keep going down the list. Stan Lee didn't know how to write women. And I think it, it gave a negative effect to other comic artists. We're like, well, Stan Lee is this legend. He does all this stuff. He didn't give a shit about women. Why should we? <laughs> so then you read and it, okay, did you, uh, on the Comic Book Bullies Facebook page, Eli, did you see the Green Lantern post I made? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. It was on our page. It actually got some hits and it pissed people off. Anyway, <laughs> it was doing Halloween, and some people are going to get this. Okay, it was a picture of, oh, this you should wear this for Halloween. And it's a picture of Cal Rayner, you know, the Green Lantern from the 90s, and a refrigerator. And everybody like, oh, that's oh, fucked up. Oh, I did see that. Yes. Right. <laughs> I did. Now, for those that don't understand what that means, because some people didn't, didn't catch it. Some people that flew right over their head like, I don't get it. What? What? <laughs> I don't read Green Lantern. I don't know what that is. So basically what happened in the 90s, when Cal Rayner became the Green Lantern, he got into a fight with some bad guy named Major Force. Major Force found out who he was, found out where he lived, found his girlfriend, killed his girlfriend, broke her into like a whole bunch of pieces, and stuck her in the refrigerator. So when Cal Rayner came home, he found his girlfriend dead in the refrigerator. Yeah. It was so it's fucked up yeah. that Gail Simone made a website called Women in the Refrigerator. Yeah, it's the, and that's a trope now. That's like right. the right. women in the the women in the refrigerator trope. Right. So now <laughs> that now you see stuff and like that, if you see some fucked up shit like that, you go, "Up, oh, you're fridging. You're women in the refrigerator. You can't do that." You know. So now yeah. comic artists are kind of like you know tiptoeing to make sure they don't you know you know fall into that trope also. Okay. Yeah. The the male character that has to go after the bad guy because his girlfriend, girlfriend was died. killed. Right. Yeah. Which was also a, a story, because they, they pretty much, like I said, we can go back to uh, Spider-Man when Gwen Stacy died. Yeah. Because nobody expected at the time, nobody expected a girlfriend to die. You know, they mm -hmm. always expected he wrote to save, 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 damn some stress like this. When she died, they actually, like, turned a dark corner to the, you know, the Silver Age ended. Now we're in the modern age. And pretty much after that, every girlfriend just got killed, stabbed, raped, whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, Daredevil probably had girlfriend, dead girlfriend, dead girlfriend, dead girlfriend. No one cared. Yeah, and they killed Elektra. <laughs> and she kept coming back and they killed her again. Bad girl got shot. We think Joker raped her. We don't know. Some people think they did. Some people think they didn't. I might have made that shit up. I don't know. Either way, happened the story. Watchmen, all kind of fucked up shit in there. You know, and it just kept going on and on and on. And you can kind of blame Stan for that because he didn't give a shit. So why should they give a shit? You know. I'm not trying to blame Stan for everything, but that's what it is. So, oh, some someone's gonna you know use that your talking point and run with it. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Probably laughs> <Folk> Stanley, <laughs> he hated women. <laughs> oh, shit. even though he was married to the same woman for like fucking a hundred years, <laughs> exactly loved her. So yeah, like high school. Well, no, sweet. They, they well, no, they were they met very, right out of the war. Right, he was young in his twenties. Yeah. When he met her and then they for life, you know, shit. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's another thing about it. Like people want to say that Stan Lee, you know, was stealing money from these guys like that. He was not. Actually, Stan Lee was broke. Yeah. At the time. He tried like, to sue he did he try to sue Marvel like uh about like 10, 12 years ago or something. Something like, like that. Yeah, before yeah. yeah, he was trying to Before the MCU get, got started. Before the MCU shit. got started, Stan Lee was trying to he wasn't getting paid either. He yeah. was getting fucked over just like Kirby and all these other guys were. Yeah. He didn't get started getting paid till the cameos. 
Yeah, which is why he started doing that. That's why he started doing them. You're like, oh, cameos pay me more than actually writing these damn comics. So he never wrote a comic again after that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, just stick me in a movie. You know, yeah. that's when Stan Lee started getting paid. When Avengers Avenger started hitting 1.5 billion and he was in a movie, you know, making residuals and stuff. That's what it is. He got paid way more than that shit than making Spider-Man. You know, mm-hmm. that's where he made his money. So that's when he started getting paid. But until then, he got fucked over just like everybody else did. That's the comic industry for you. So don't try to put Stan Lee in this boat with Bob Kane, how he did Bill Finger, or how uh, DC fucked over Siegel and Schuster. Siegel, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I know shit. some of you don't know who the fuck they are, so I'm not even going to explain it. Google them. <laughs> shit. <laughs> but those guys got fucked over. You yeah. know, Stan, don't put Stan in that group. You know. Uh, are we caught up? I think we all caught up. I think we pretty much ran through everything for the most part. But what yep. we can do now, so we ran through the history and back to so now we can talk about like present day Stan and impact of what we think of Stan stuff like that. So Eli, we're gonna go back and forth like top five Stanley characters that he co created. Okay. Now for you people out there that don't know, that doesn't include Deadpool. Stop fucking talking about Deadpool. <laughs> he had nothing to do with them. Yeah. Okay. So, actually, I don't even know my list, Eli, so I'm going to let you go first. I'm just making it up as a on the fly. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I started listing names, and I, I, I got some honorable mentions just because. But I'll go uh, my number five spot. I got Daredevil. Um, okay. Now, Daredevil, I, I didn't come into Daredevil till later on, but I was, I was really into the Punisher. I was really into, like, you know, Ghost Rider and just that street-level uh, uh, vigilante stories that were going on in the marvel universe i was really into that shit and that started with daredevil you know with the kingpin and you know punisher started out as a as a villain of uh well of spider-man but then he frank miller brought back the punisher as a daredevil villain and all that right so, darker I, grittier yeah yeah so i like all that street level uh crime shit that the marvel was doing and that was from you know from daredevil you know and again he he uh he 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 took a, a, a guy, a blind guy, a, ki- a dude who was blind, <laughs> you know, and, and included like, and that's the thing about, you know, w- when we talk about like what the heroes and, 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 you know, the thing and Bruce Banner and, and, and Peter Parker being awkward, he took these like, you know, sort of these outcasts and made them important, made, included them in the world. You had a blind guy who was a ha- someone who's handicapped. And turned him into this awesome character. He he won, you know? he won awards for that. Stan Lee yeah. won awards for that, yeah. Yeah, and it's like and that and that was like the biggest message that Stan Lee had is like no matter what you look like, where you were from, you know, you know, X-Men is a perfect allegory for being an outcast or or, or whatever, you know, marginalized group you were a part of, you were still special, that you could still contribute to the world. And that was one of the most important things about Stan Lee's stories. So yeah, I mean Daredevil's a perfect reflection. A guy a blind guy. A guy with the with the who's handicapped, with a disability, who could, you know, kick mad a, ass. Right, that was a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. honestly, man, that's 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 inspirational. Yeah, it you is. You know, you can have a disability but still be just as good as everybody else, you know. Even though yeah. Daredevil has to work harder to be what he has to be, but he can still be at that level. Yeah, and that you can no matter what who you are, what you look like, where you're from, you can still find, you know, strength within yourself. That in the end, it's it, the power comes from within. 
You know, it's just, you know, yeah, you might have all these cool abilities, but it's, it's you yourself and what the choices you make and how, which, you know, determines on how these powers are used and, you know, and determines who you are as a character. So that, that, yeah, that was always inspirational. And, and, and it wasn't like just that cookie, like you said, the DC good versus evil. No, even, even the villains, even the villains were very fleshed out where you could relate to the villain. You know, they had a motivation where you understand where they're coming from, you know. So. Yep. Oh, okay. So, uh, number five, I'm going to give Magneto. Okay. Like I said, I, ne- I never said we had to just name heroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can name them because at the same time, Magneto is a complex character. Yes, he's a villain. But in his mind, he thinks everything he's doing is right. And plus, he's just got a cool-ass power. Yeah. I, mean, I know we want to talk about all this philosophical theme bullshit. But he's got some cool-ass fucking powers, man. Wolverine comes to him, and he's just like, get the fuck out of here, Wolverine. Get the <laughs> yeah. fuck out of here, Colossus. <laughs> the fuck you going to do? You yeah. know, it's it just some awesome shit, man. So visually, he's just an awesome character when you just see him floating above everybody and shit like that. You just know. Because I've seen some comic books where... And I've read in X-Men comic where Magneto just beats the fuck out of the X-Men by himself. Yeah, he ripped, ripped out the fucking the adamantium off of uh, Wolverine and shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so, yeah, yeah. I, and, and like I said, as far as thematically, yes, he registered thematically also. Because like I said, he was in the Holocaust. He's one of the very few Jewish characters that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby allowed to be Jewish in the comics. So, yes, he's from the Holocaust. He's seen evil. He's seen this shit before. He's living through it again, and he's basically seeing uh, the same patterns that, you know, that obliterate his people about to happen again. He's like, no, this shit's not going to happen. So, yes, we call him a terrorist, but in his mind, he's a hero. Yeah, and which so- goes to what I'm saying of, of, of what Marvel, all those Marvel characters, they all had these motivations that, where you could relate to them, where you yeah. understand where they're coming from. Yeah, Magneto, you know, from a certain point of view, he's really not that. Uh, he's really not a, a bad guy. When what, you talk what, about yeah. the persecution against the mutants and what was going on, but yeah, once he does some asshole shit, yeah, he <laughs> always yeah he is a terrorist yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean. There, there is yeah. The, every time there's you know. You know, you relate to the villain until he crosses that line right. and becomes the villain. Right. But th- their motivations always start come from a place where you understand, like, wow, I, I see what you're saying. I, 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 I'm, I agree. You actually agree with the bad guy a lot of times in the Marvel Universe. I mean, think you about know? it this way. In the X-Men, they always go to the future, right? They always got these future adventures. In every single future event they have, they're all fucked up. They're all in chains, all dead, all executed. <laughs> Isn't it the same shit Magneto saying, I'm trying not to, you know, yeah. try not to go? So, See what they're going to do to us? Yeah. Right. So basically every single future they went to is exactly what Magneto said is going to happen if you motherfuckers don't listen to me. Yeah. That's why they had that sign, Magneto was right. <laughs> because technically he is. They've even seen it. I mean, if I went to the future and saw that shit, like, oh, damn, we all got fucked up. I'm joining Magneto. I'm like, fuck you, Professor X. Yeah, he's probably, I mean, like I said, I was never a big X-Men fan, but he was, yeah, I would say my favorite. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, I'll let you go. You can can come with number four. Uh, My number four, I got Galactus. 
Ooh, you know? good one. Okay, okay. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's like I started going through like the the, the characters. And I'm like, well, shit. Half the I like probably the villains more than most right. Of the <laughs> because it's the same thing we just said. Like we just said, Magneto maybe not a villain. It's the same thing with Galactus. Yeah, he's just trying to eat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing is with Galactus, like the concept of good of evil is beyond him. I mean, it's like yeah. underneath him. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, concern him. Yeah, you know? and it just, just this big giant being that feeds planets. I mean, it's essentially God. You know, the that's Fantastic what, that's Four. That's exactly what Stan Lee said. He was like, "Look, I mean, every Fantastic Four villain—they've been fighting guys. They can beat. They can beat. I want to fight. I want them to fight God." Yeah, that they can't beat one on one. You know, that's the, that's what he made Galactus for. Yeah, and it's like a total like metaphor for nature. Like G- Galactus is just this natural cosmic event, right? That just causes chaos. Which right. you know, there's no logic behind it. It's just shit happens in the universe, and you know, there's no, there's no, uh, they're not na- taking names, or or there's no. Uh, out of spitefulness, it just shit just happens, and you know, and stuff, negative things come from that. You know, right. chaos like a, like just a, happens. A hurricane isn't evil. Yeah, yeah. A tornado, an earthquake, those aren't that. There's nobody. It's not punishment or anything. It's just shit just happening. Just nature. Nature, like you know, the Taoism. You know, Lao Tzu said, nature is not human-hearted. You know, <laughs> a, right. you know, a, 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 a comet doesn't care it doesn't care that there's life on a planet it just comes and it hits and it's going to hit wherever it hits and that's what galactus was i'm just feeding on these planets and it wasn't until silver surfers like dude you know i gotta have a conscience about this because right. you know he, they got to earth and there's like there's all these we've been feeding on all these worlds but they were dead planets there's life on this one and that, that was where the whole uh confrontation started but but yeah i mean galactus is basically a metaphor for God <laughs> or the, or the nature or, or of nature, the nature of the universe. Or some, depending on what you think, yeah. it may be the same thing. Yeah. Nature, God, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever, so, whatever your concept of God is. Yeah. Damn, we just got deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, number three, number three, number three. Uh, boo, 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 boo. Who's okay. your number four? That's it. I said, you didn't say you're number four. Oh, I didn't say number. Four. Okay, number four. Number four. I'm glad you. I'm glad you named it. Number four, <laughs> the Hulk. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you got him on your list somewhere too. But <laughs> matter of fact, we're just saving for your list. I don't know you got him on there. So yeah, you can yeah. go ahead with, with number three. My number three is I got Doctor Doom. He he was up. It was like Magneto, Doctor Doom. The only reason I picked Magneto over Doctor Doom because Magneto has at least been done right in the movies, and Doctor Doom they still fucked him up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what can I say? Doctor Doom, I think, is the quintessential supervillain of all time. <laughs> right. <laughs> the guy in the mask, trying to rule the world. I mean, Darth Vader. All you know, all your favorite villains <laughs> have all stemmed from Doctor Doom. Well, let me ask you this: Oh, Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Darth Vader was inspired by Doctor Doom. George Lucas says so himself. Yeah. The guy in the mask. The I mean, he almost mask, looks yeah. like him and shit. Yeah, <laughs> like Marvel could have sued if they wanted to. You know? And just that, you know, just the megalomaniac asshole who just wants to take over everything, who just wants everybody to bow down to him. Okay, so you let know? me ask you this. Like I said, we just described two villains that may not be villains. Do you think Doctor Doom has an angle like that? I, I don't know. 
I think he's pretty much an asshole, yeah. <laughs> just you know, he refers to himself in the first person. You will bow down to me, Victor Von. Boom, bell to right? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, I think later on, you know, and you know, especially in that 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 second uh, Secret Wars where he, he was God Doom and shit. Oh yeah, I think that was, was a fucking awesome story. <laughs> yeah, he 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 was. There was a lot. He, there's a lot more complexity to his character, but. And at first, he was just a vain, jealous asshole, so to speak, you know. <laughs> yeah, and they had more, they have more fleshed out and more character to him, yeah. But yeah, yeah. the most, I'm going to spoil Secret Wars for you, the most awesome shit in there when God Doom saw Thanos. <laughs> that shit was fucking awesome. Thanos going to show up to God Doom and he's going to ask him, oh, you don't even know how to wield power. You you, you kind of drained right now. You don't know how to wield power because I knew how to wield power when I had the Infinity Gauntlet. You're nothing like I have an Infinity Gauntlet. And Doom asked him, do you have Infinity Gauntlet now? Like, no. Okay. And then ripped his fucking spine out. I'm like, what the fuck? And then threw that shit out of the way and just walked off. I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, shoot. Where am I? Number three? Uh, yeah. Okay. I got it. Oh, the Fantastic Four. All of them. Okay. You can't pick one. You got to pick all Even four. Sue? Even Sue. I'm going to put Sue in there also, even though she don't deserve to be in there. The reason I'm picking Fantastic Four because it was a game changer. Comic books changed overnight just by because, like I said, they had uh, problems. They had financial problems. They had uh, sibling rivalry. They argued yeah. each other all the time. Uh, hell, they the inspiration for The Incredibles. Yeah. I mean, the incredible shit was ripping off the Fantastic Four, and they said most of them got the same powers and shit. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, the thing about and it, his thing now, I know Gomer's gonna look crazy at me when I mean when I hear this because he he knows I always shit on the Fantastic Four every <laughs> single episode, and I do. And the reason I shit on the Fantastic Four all the time is because, in my opinion, they've never been able to match the Stan and Jack run. No, because the thing is, the Fantastic Four are a period piece. They only work in the 60s. They only work in the confines of the 60s because the stories are so zany, so out there. You can't do a Fantastic Four story how they need to do in this time. Like, I, yeah, Jonathan Hickman, he's awesome and stuff like that. And he does some awesome books with it. But he doesn't take it to balls to the wall next level like, okay, these guys are high like Stan and Jack did. For instance, they wrote a story where Stan and Jack were in the book where they wrote themselves. And they were writing a, middle, they were writing a Fantastic Four comic. Dr. Doom walks through the fucking door and he says, I'm tired of you writing me like a fucking villain. So write <laughs> me as a good guy or I'm going to kill your ass right now. <laughs> See, Hickman won't write a story like that, you know? That's some wild shit. And they have all kind of crazy stories like that, you know, where Stan and Jack can write the fans for it and just do whatever the fuck they wanted to do with them. They didn't care about rules. They were just like, they were just out there. You want to read some just good ass stories? Go back and read those old Fantastic Four stories. Like the, we talked about this before when they when they fought the Scrolls. Mm -hmm. One book, one issue. They met the Scrolls, fought the Scrolls. The Scrolls framed them, threw them in jail. They got out, fought the Scrolls again, hypnotized them, turned them into cows, fought an alien invasion, sent the Scrolls back to wherever the fuck they came from. And that was one issue. Next issue, they was on some other bullshit. Yeah. And so. Yeah, so that's why that's why I love and, and honestly, that's out of all the Stan and Jack's work, the Fantastic Four stuff might have been their best stuff. Yeah, and, and it they, they made a bunch of stuff, but it might have been their best stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that was your number three. That was my number three. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, my number two, Spider-Man. What? Okay. What can I say? Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> does whatever spider can, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just, I mean, I think we've already sucked his dick long enough, but yeah, I mean, he was just an awkward kid, yep. you know, trying to juggle, you know, all the shit, high school and his, you know, his aunt and, you know, trying to get a girlfriend, trying to get, hold down a job and then he gets these powers and then he's got to fight crime. So it's just a guy who's constantly in over his head, you know, and it, that, that just made for great drama and easy to relate to. So, and who, I mean... I can't, I mean, Spider-Man, one of my earliest memories of comics is Spider-Man. That, that you know, being a little kid, knowing that there was that Spider-Man cartoon, you know, mm-hmm. there was the, the electric company Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan know? Freeman, yeah. Yeah, Morgan Freeman as Dracula and shit. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody knows who you are and... Uh, uh, there was the comic strips. That's what I remember. The newspapers, you know, the Sunday, the Sunday funnies. There was a, there was a Spider-Man comic every Sunday, mm-hmm. even in, I think every day too, there was Spider-Man comic strips just in the newspaper. R- written by Stan Lee actually. Yeah. So it's yeah. like my earliest memories of comics have to do with Spider-Man and then becoming a fan of Spider-Man because of the cartoons, you know, wanting to wear, I want a Spider-Man shirt. Can I get a Spider-Man shirt, mom? You know mm-hmm. what? Yeah. So just my earliest childhood memories are from Spider-Man, you know, before Star Wars, you know, came along and ba- I was big, I'm big into Batman too, but Spider-Man was part of that shit, you know? And, um, yeah. And at one point, yeah, I, I think at some point, everybody's a, was a fan of Spider-Man at one point in their lives. <laughs> right. I mean, it's Spider-Man, you know, it's Spider-Man. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, he's my number two. Okay, cool. My number two, Black Panther. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I got to right. put Black Panther. In. Now I do. I, I had a. I had to think about it. Do I want to put Black Black Panther in this? The reason I want. The reason I had to hesitate on that because the Black Panther's best stories didn't come from Stan Lee. You know, I, 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 Christopher Priest, Reggie Hudlin, even Coates is starting to turn around and put like some good stuff that's like, you know, making him a mainstream character. But at the same time, the foundation of the character came from Stan and Jack, you know, because you got to think about it. They were making a black character at the time and they were making a black character in the height of civil rights movement. You know, that's when they were making this character. They made he predates the Black Panther Party. Well, they both came out the same same month or whatever in the same year. But let's just say, you know, they they came around the same time and just the stuff they were doing with the character. Like they didn't have him like he was poor or in the jungle like tarzan stuff like that he was actually rich they wrote him like that he was back there he was rich he had money he had he had he was from wakanda and they had technology that nobody else had back then in the 60s in that first book where he had uh yeah. they talked to one of the wakandans right the, like fantasy will talk Wakanda. they didn't know what wakanda was he had a cell phone <laughs> in the 60s even reed was like what the fuck <laughs> what the hell is that <laughs> you know and so they went there and they saw this crazy jungle, but at the same time they go underneath the jungle and they see this lavish city and that's Wakanda. So they were trying to show that, you know, you know, this uh this city, they talked about vibranium, how it was so expensive, and how he was getting his money. And it was it was empowering, even reading that back then. 
So they took, you know, the foundation of that character and he just kind of just fleshed it out from now to, you know, 50 years later when they finally got the ball rolling. But, yeah, I mean, and like I said, as a black man, that is empowering to see Because that's what these are. These are power fantasies. You read yeah. Superman, you read Batman, you want to be, I want to be like that. So you see Black Panther, you're like, hey, that's that's empowering you. You see that. Yeah. So. so. Yeah. And he was smart, too. He was. And he was smart, he was smart. also. <laughs> he was a genius. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. That was your number two? Right, my number my number one is the Hulk. <laughs> number one, okay. I, I knew Hulk yeah. was going to be on this somewhere. That's why. Yeah, I didn't just, go into detail. just yeah, just because he's probably my you know, I might say my all time favorite comic book character. Maybe I, I guess. Yeah. Um. Just I, I followed his comics for a long time when I was a kid. I had a like a. I've told this before the story before on Geek Saz, but I used to be scared of the Hulk when I was a little kid, and and the TV show would come on, and. Uh, What's the name? Bruce, David, what's the name? Bruce Bixby? Well, Bixby? On the, on the show, Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby. Yeah, Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby. When his eyes would turn all fucking fucked up, that I scared me. I love that shit, man. I, like, I oh, ran out hell of... Hell yeah. I see that shit, I run out of the room. <laughs> Did I ever tell I was, you this story? Whenever like, the Hulk would come on TV and every day, I would just strip down them into my uh, Fruit of the Looms. <laughs> <laughs> and then just run in front of my dad in front of the TV to start flexing. <laughs> oh, that shit scared me. I ran out of the room. <laughs> that, that shit. I was a little timid kid when I was little. But when I found out that he was a comic book character, I, that's what was. I found that fascinating. Like, wow, really? This thing that I'm scared of is actually a good guy. That concept. Right. That idea just I just blew me away. Like, wow, this guy. So you don't have to be scared of this guy. This is a monster, but a good monster. But see, that's yeah. the thing. Let's let's go back to the comics where he originally came from. Remember, we just talked about like before superhero comics, monster comics sold everything. Yeah, that's what the Hulk was. It was like, okay, if this superhero shit don't pan out, at least we got a monster. Yeah, you know, to still sell comics. So that's what they were doing. They were just still making like a Frank Frankenstein monster. That's it. But then when they actually decided to make the Avengers. They stuck him on the Avengers. They were like, okay, well, he's a monster, but he's a good guy, kind of? Yeah. So, so it was kind of cool. And the funny thing about the Hulk, he was so, you didn't know what the fuck to expect from him. He yeah. might team up with you. He might whoop your ass. You don't know. He might do it in the and, same story. And he just wanted to be left alone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Quit fucking with me, man. <laughs> now, one thing I do want to say about Hulk, I hate it. When, and, and this is before like the movie stuff like that. I hate it when the writers used to write him as a villain. Because that used to happen sometimes. Like, they just wrote him like a villain. He's trying to just destroy shit. And then he was at the team up to stop him. I hate that. Make him like an anti-hero where he can go either or or be, you know, you know, conflicted. Things like that. Yeah. Like World War Hulk? <laughs> World War Hulk. Well, you know, they try to make it seem like where the other guys were the villains and he was the hero or whatever, you know. Uh, and I say this about Hulk. That my favorite run, the thing that made me a Hulk fan What's the Peter David run? I, I know you're a fan, Eli. Did you read the Peter David run? Uh, which one was that now? It was like in the 90s. Probably not. No, Joe I was. I, it, uh, yeah, I was at. I like shortly after he became gray. I I stopped reading like Marvel and shit. Yeah. So I, I, I wasn't around for that. Uh, the 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 maestro and all that stuff. I've read some of it since then. But okay. like I, I when it first came out, I was reading fucked up shit <laughs> honestly, it was the 90s man it, it was the 90s yeah i mean you wanted to read some fucked up shit, but peter david honestly he was writing the hulk so so cerebral so psychological it was one of the most mind-bending comics i ever read and nobody ever talked about everybody could talk about 
everybody keeps sucking uh, Grant Morrison's dick about all the shit he did with Animal Man and Swamp Thing and stuff like that. That those the Hulk books he made were just as good, just as cerebral, just as well written. Cause the stuff he was doing, like Hulk and Banner were in each other's mind and they would talk to each other. And, they, and then Doc, uh, what's the name? Doc Samson, you know, yeah. he had a therapist. And he was breaking it down like, dude, you have PTSD. You have. Most, I never heard of these terms before when he was saying in this book. I was like, what the fuck is that? Isn't that where they brought his dad? Is that where they brought the thing with his? He was being abused by his dad and right shit. he brought abused by his dad but he kept holding the emotions in so what the hulk is is a representation of his four-year-old angry side that he never let out which is why the hulk has no intelligence because he's the intelligence of a four-year-old because it's a representation of banner you know yeah. and then when he, like the the representation of his father's in the back of his mind and hulk was scared of his father like hulk was scared of his father you know yeah I mean that's that's what they're in the in the Immortal Hulk comics. Right. That's what they're 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 touching up on all that shit. So right, like I said, it's some deep shit. And I was like, damn, I never I never pictured Hulk. I just even thought he was just a, a monster, just fight shit and just move on to the next planet. You know, they were just like actually going deep and cerebral and mental with them. I was like, okay, I never thought about Hulk this way. You know, and they they tried, and that's why I'm not too, you know, too hard on the O three movie. Because they tried, but they, they missed the mark. Don't get me wrong. They missed the mark. <laughs> oh, that those fucking Hulk dogs, man. <laughs> right. Like I said, they completely missed the mark, but at least they tried. They looked at the Peter David run. like, let's try to do some of this shit. But, you know. <laughs> Have him fly, jumping through the air with the, 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 the choir singing. Like, he's all zen and shit. Right. Oh. He's just staring at a lizard for no fucking reason oh. for like five minutes. <laughs> the zen of the Hulk. Like, the zen of the Hulk. No, there's right. no zen in Hulk. Because <laughs> that's what we want in our, in our Hulk movie. <laughs> like what the fuck? Right. <laughs> and you know, funny thing about the Hulk, you could almost say like he's the most before when the MCU was getting started, he was the most famous character. Because I remember sitting in a theater when the Avengers first came out, like the trailer of it of another movie, and they was naming all these no name heroes. Nobody knew. Nobody really knew Iron Man. They're like, okay, is that a robot guy? Okay, Captain America. Oh, that's a flag guy. Somebody saw Thor. Hey, He Man. You know. <laughs> and then somebody saw the Hulk, and they were like, is that the Incredible Hulk? What? the fuck is he doing in this movie yeah like they had no idea why is he even here you know yeah i remember seeing iron man 3 with my dad like right he was like iron man who's iron man i'm like (laughs) (laughs) and this is by iron by the time iron man 3 came out he he still didn't know who iron man was right hold it is it my turn yeah you went one okay my one spider-man okay yeah yeah honestly spider-man is i think hands down the greatest character marvel has uh the greatest character stan lee has matter of fact i think amazing fantasy 15 is the greatest comic i've ever read and that shit was back in 1960 what three four something like that that story is awesome um spider-man is an awesome kid i feel like stan lee made like all the stuff we just named about spider-man i felt like spider-man was trying to make the anti-superman like yeah. Take Superman, take all the tropes you don't like about him and make it Spider-Man. And that's what he was trying to do, and that's what he did. Like Spider-Man, square jaw, broad shoulders, make him a skinny, scrawny kid. No. Uh, Spider-Man, Superman never loses. He's invulnerable. Have him get his ass whooped. Uh, Clark Kent has no personality. Give it where his personality is more important than Spider-Man. He actually cares about both sides of it. He was Like I said, that's the thing we were talking about, like uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby kept writing these romance drums, stuff like that. You can tell that stuff bled into Spider-Man. Yeah. And so, because that, that's what they were doing. He was, like, writing both in it. It was a, uh, and, and, and like I said, this, 
the character because the thing is when i first saw spider-man his face is covered you don't know he's white you don't know he's latino or black or whatever if you just look at a picture of spider-man and he's just swinging he can be whatever you want him to be yeah it's another part of the power fantasy like when you see him he's just spider-man he's not a white dude he's not a kid spider-man you know and that's why everybody's just you know when you see him you just get happy and i might be putting this up there because of that ps4 game oh yeah i'm gonna have to play that now I'm thinking. I don't know if that that skewed my like. If if it, if we if we did this poll or list a month ago, would I put Spider Man number one? But since I just played this game, oh, and I just finished my project. Okay, so the Spider Man uh, PS4 game, right? For the last two weeks, I've been taking all the cutscenes and making them into one YouTube video. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a it's a three and a half long video. Damn. Yeah, it took me a, a while to do this. <laughs> so I just got <laughs> finished today, and I was like, yes, it's completed, you know. So, like I said, working on that, beating the game twice and like that, and it, it, it uh, rekindled my love for Spider-Man. And I'm thinking like, man, this is, I, I see why I love Spider-Man growing up. Spider-Man got me into Marvel Comics. I saw Tom McFarlane, you know, drawing all those covers and stuff like that. I got to get this shit. Venom beating ass, Sinister Six. I got to get this shit. You know, and it got me, and I got, and, and I'm bought every single book that came out. It was Amazing Spider-Man, Web Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Spider-Man, uh, Deadly Foes of Spider-Man. I bought all that shit. You know, if Spider-Man was on, I bought it. If he was in another book, just popped up, NFL Super Pro, Get Started Spider-Man. I'm buying that shit. <laughs> you know, because Spider-Man is in it. And Marvel knew that shit. They knew if they stick Spider-Man in any book, you're going to buy it. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, but that was that was my, my top five. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Now, as far as cameos, we don't want to do a top five. Just name your favorite cameo. My favorite? Uh, yeah. I think it's got to be... I'm going to do a toss-up between the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when he showed up in the watch with the Watchers. You know, that's, um, in retrospect of that, that is so sad now. It is. Yeah. But I remember just that moment. That was one of my favorite moments of, the, of that movie. Mm-hmm. Not only just seeing the Watchers, but then just seeing Stanley amongst them. It was just just put a smile on my face. <laughs> and he's telling them stories and stuff, you know. Yeah, and then I gotta say Deadpool, where he's the the, the DJ in the strip strip club. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> I I didn't think that was gonna happen. No, the funny thing about it, who said? It? I think Eric said that in, in in our interview. He was saying, and he said, uh, and next up, the stripper name is Chastity, and then T.J. Miller says, or you know, I like to call her Irony. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I didn't even catch that till Eric said that, but yeah, that was that was awesome. So, uh, my favorite cameo, now my favorite MCU cameo, is actually Ant Man and the Wasp. The, oh, yeah, I just watched that. You finally watched it. You finally I just watched, watched it. it. Okay. I finally watched it the other day. <laughs> okay, about time. <laughs> was it with the car? He had like the, the car the shrinks car, or like something. The car shrinks or something. <laughs> yeah, and then he just says to himself, "Yeah, the sixties were fun, but now I'm paying for it." I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah, damn. yeah. <laughs> That shit was funny. But actually, my that's not that's my favorite MCU cameo. But my favorite cameo he ever did, All Rats. I was about to say, Ma. Yep. <laughs> did, did, did it have to be the MCU? Or could yes. I have said the Big Bang Theory? No. <laughs> he, didn't, I, he was in that. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. He was, uh, yeah. But I didn't. But yeah, he was well, in Marvel. You said Deadpool, so that's not MCU, anyways. <laughs> but yeah, Mar- like I said, if you guys haven't seen Marvel Rats, just go see Marvel Rats for. Wait, first off, Ben Affleck's in it. He's oh, yeah, as, a, as an asshole. 
Yeah, as an asshole. Like, he, ben Affleck's Ben Affleck. <laughs> and then, like I said, Stan Lee gives and Stan Lee gets like one of the best poignant cameos you've ever he's ever done. Yeah, I was like man, that is awesome. breaks down what he again legitimizes comic books. Right. You know. I mean, Stan Lee, you could say he was the first person to turn comic books into an art form, into literature, mm-hmm. stuff you have to read. Yeah, and for Kevin Smith, like, Kevin Smith pretty much built his whole career on being a nerd and, you know, trying, again, legitimizing the importance of comic books as a as a legitimate form of art, you know? And he Stan Lee showed up in that movie and basically said, yeah, th- this is the reason why comic books are relevant. <laughs> right. And at the yeah. same time, when he was naming those characters in Marvel, he was basically saying, like, how those characters represent him. Yeah. You know, he was pouring himself into those characters. I was like, that's some deep shit. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, that being said, can we move on to the comic book section of the podcast? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> because the thing is, like I said, we, we're going to do something different. We, Like I said, this is dedicated to Stan Lee. So what we're going to do is some Stan Lee comics. We're not going to do whatever the fuck came out, Justice League and whatever. We don't care, you know. We're going to talk about classic Stan Lee books that we like. Uh, like some good good books got released this week, but go listen to Comic Cast for that one. Yeah, or, or <laughs> this week, Geeks and Comics, they'll cover that shit, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, the first book I'm going to start off with is Amazing Fantasy 15. Like okay. I said, it is my single-handedly my favorite comic I've ever read. I don't care what anybody says, Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, whatever. This is the book because the thing is, for those that... And for the five of you that don't know, Amazing Fantasy 15 is the first appearance of Spider-Man. Now, the thing is, when I read this book, I had no idea what Spider-Man was. I've seen the pictures. I've seen him swinging in Tarzan and on Spider-Man and Amazing Friends. But I had no idea who he was. I didn't know his name. I didn't know his background. I didn't know any of that stuff. So I'm just reading this character for the first time. So, like I said, the book starts off. He's in Midtown High. And like I said, I'm doing this all from memory. I read the book so much, I don't even have to, you know, look at it back in. He's in Midtown High. He's getting, you know, picked on by Flash Thompson, who beat it, nerd. You know, he's trying to, you know, holler at a girl or whatever, kicks, kicks him away. He goes home, you know, Aunt May, Uncle Ben is there. Aunt May is fixing wheat cakes, because wheat cakes is his favorite, but she don't fix too much because she thinks scrawny Peter's going to get too fat, you know. So the next day they go, uh, he goes to the science fair, bitten by a spider, blah, 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 gets spider powers, Figures out of stuff. Okay, that's cool. So, here's the thing. And this is what got me. So, what is the first thing Peter Parker does when he finds out he gets powers? Oh, he goes to try to make money. He tries to make money. He doesn't go out saving people. He doesn't try to protect the good. It's just the, and that's all of us what we want to do. We want to get power so we can go make money. We want to be an athlete. We want to do all this stuff. And that's what he does. He goes to a wrestling match and fights Crusher Hogan. I know a lot of you think it's Boonsaw McGraw. <laughs> No. <laughs> Boonsaw's ready. No, his name was Crusher Hogan in there originally. He whoops Crusher Hogan's ass, you know, gets paid. He makes a bunch of other peers also. He's basically like a novelty act and he just on TV all the time as Spider Man. Never reveals himself, you know, but he's just a Spider Man the whole time. One day he's out, you know, in a hallway counting his money and a burglar robs the venue that he's at, walks right past him. You know the story. He just counting his money, sees him, gets a good look at him, doesn't care. He like, I don't give a fuck. I'm counting my money. Who cares what that guy does? Goes back home to his, you know, house in Queens, and he goes in the house and he finds out that uh, Uncle Ben has been murdered. You know, he doesn't know he did it, but he thinking that the 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 cops know who did it. And they said we find out that the guy's holed up in this area right here in this warehouse. 
but we can't get to him because you know it's a standoff whatever so spider-man turns into spider-man goes there finds out saying the guy it was the same guy that killed uncle ben that he let pass by in the hallway earlier understand it when i read this the first time that blew my fucking mind i didn't know that shit was about to happen i was like oh shit that's a plot twist <laughs> you know i was like oh damn so i was like damn so what he didn't do he going ahead trying to chase money and don't worry about himself and not worried about other people it cost him his uncle and at the end of the book the caption was with great power comes great responsibility uncle ben didn't say that stan lee said that Understand Uncle B Uncle B isn't real. So <laughs> <laughs> understand that when great power comes great responsibility is a Stanley quote. And if you ask me, it's one of the greatest literary quotes of the 20th century. Yeah. And it's I... in that book. So yeah, that's all I get. Uh my rating, uh 6.5 out of 5. I'm, I'm gonna do a get valiant. You know what I'm saying? That's all I got. So. Uh, well, I, I read um, the, uh, was it Fantastic Four, numbers 48 to 50? I feel like which shit, is I've never read this. Yeah, uh, which was basically the the first appearance of Galactus, and the first appearance of Silver Surfer, and, I'm getting deep now, the first appearance of The Punisher. Wait, No what? shit. No <laughs> okay. shit. The Punisher. The Punisher no going to shoot shit. Galactus or something? <laughs> Punisher's first appearance, <laughs> in in uh, it was uh, number fifty or number forty nine. So basically, um, and I guess not the official uh, first appearance, but the mention of the negative zone. Okay. So we, the the number forty eight starts out with there. It was finishing up whatever storyline was going on between the the Inhumans. Um, Ma- what's his name? Magnificent or what's his name? Mag. Ma- uh, Magnet. What's the guy? Uh, the Maximus. Black Bolt. Maximus. 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 So yeah, he's being an asshole and trying to take over the world and base uh, basically destroy the humans so the Inhumans can take over. Um, Black Bolt and Medusa. They're all, you know, teamed up with the Fantastic Four to help stop them. Uh, Maximus gets his hand on an, an Atmo gun, which is does some fucked up shit. Basically, creates a negative zone. Um, okay. the Fantastic Four pull a fast one and shove them all into there, shove them all into the negative zone. And, um, yeah, in the, in the process, uh, uh, Johnny Storm's girlfriend gets trapped in there too. So they basically have to go back together, which, but that was just the ending of that story. And then meanwhile, uh, some, the Silver Surfer, comes uh, uh, arrives on Earth, um, and it, all this fucked up shit. There's like these flames in the sky. All these weird a- uh, asteroids are filling up the atmosphere. And they're like, "What the fuck's going on?" They find out the Watchers. Like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Okay, well, the Silver Surfer's here, which means Galactus is just far behind. They're like, well, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, he's gonna come and eat your planet. So basically, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to disguise this world. I'm trying to fill the atmosphere up with fire and asteroids. So we can disguise this planet, but you know, too late. Silver Surfer's here and tells Galactus about it. Um, Galactus shows up, starts fucking building his uh, engine on top of the Baxter Building. Fantastic Four try to beat the shit out of him, but he's just big giant god, and he just slaps the shit out of him. He's like, "They're nat. You guys are nats. Okay, since you guys are like, yeah, 
thing is trying to bust down his contraption, that world-ending mo- or earth 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 eating machine or whatever thing is there busting it up and shit and breaking it and that's when Galactus says, "Okay, I got shit to do and you like ants are fucking my shit up." So, I'm going to call on the Punisher to come down to deal with you guys. Frank Castle, so, let's go. Nope. The Punisher is a robot in Galactus's ship above Earth. Okay. <laughs> so this little green robot comes down that's called the Punisher. It's called that's what he calls it. You can okay, say, Punisher. Uh, you can say that, but in my mind I'm thinking it's Frank Castle coming down. It's Frank Castle him. inside yeah. a robot? <laughs> yeah. In my mind, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yes. Frank Castle inside a mech droid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, this robot called comes down, called the Punisher comes down and they fight. Um Finally, uh, while that's going on, Silver Surfer meets uh, Ben Grimm's blind old lady, who's like, uh, uh, she's like, Who, you, you have such a compassionate voice, and blah, 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 and all this shit. And he tells her, oh, well, I'm, I'm the Herald of Galactus, we're coming here to eat your planet, and all this shit. She's like, but there's all these people here, you can't blah, blah, blah. Basically gives him a conscience. Okay. And Silver Surfer's like, okay, yeah, that 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 ain't right. There's a bunch, of, there's a billions of lives here. We can't destroy this world just so he can eat. We can go find another planet. So then he goes to, hey, 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 Galactus, don't eat this planet. There's people here, and he's like, ah, hey, fuck you, man. I gotta eat. And so then they fight. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry. So they fight. While that's going on, fucking yeah, these are yeah, these are epic tales told in one issue. <laughs> <laughs> While that's going on, uh. Human Torch. Johnny Storm uh, goes to like this ultimate alternate dimension way out in the middle of fucking space. Watcher guides him through like this the infinity or whatever. He calls it the the void of infinity or some shit to get this weapon that can destroy Galactus. So that's so Johnny Storm goes through like, you know, do, some Doctor Strange fucking uh Jim Sterenko fucking psychedelic shit. Goes through like the way to the edges of space to find this contraption brings it back and gives it to gives it to reed i don't know why he didn't just do it because when we, when he got back johnny storm was like oh i'm so i'm going insane because i just went on this crazy journey and shit so he gives it to gives the contraption to the ultimate nullifier the, that, that's what it is the first appearance of that yep <laughs> the first appearance of the ultimate nullifier like i said read Gal- the book but i know what that is oh yeah yeah i like Galactus is like, what the fuck, man? Where'd you get that? He's like, well, uh, Watcher's like, I, I I guided him to find it, to stop you. He's like, you're not supposed to be, you know, interfering. He's like, yeah, but this is a, this is a, this planet has life, and I can't let you destroy this planet and all that shit. And um, Reed's like, okay, yeah, I'll destroy this whole galaxy if you don't get off our planet, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so then Galactus is like, all right, fine. You know, and I'll leave. And then he takes off. He ends up stripping Silver Surfer of his powers and then takes off. And then the rest of the book is about uh, Johnny Storm going to uh, college and shit and joining a football team and shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I give it a four out of five just because it's got the, the, you know, it's got all the cool first appearances and stuff like that. And, you know, basically stuff that would go on to become classic Marvel you know, uh, storytelling, you know, it does. Yeah, it does. Like I said, it like the first, the beginning of the first issue, you're, you're wrapping up the, the arc of the last story yeah. and then you get on to the regular arc. And then in the last issue, 
everything wraps up real quick, and then you spend the last ten pages watching fucking Johnny Storm go to college and shit, <laughs> and shit like that. Like, you know, just before that, Galactic was trying to eat the planet. But yeah, yeah, you know. So like I said, it, and it's got the not the official um, first the first. It's got the mention of the the negative zone, but I guess the negative zone isn't officially appeared until Fantastic Four fifty one, which is this man, this monster, where the guy switches uh, switches bodies with Ben Grimm and, and infiltrates the Baxter Building. They end up throwing that guy into the. He ends up fucking opening up the negative zone. I guess that's the that's the first appearance. I guess officially of the negative zone is fifty one. So nice. Okay. So just a lot of history, like just these three books. There's a lot of history going on, like just you know. <laughs> and really, you can read that whole Fantastic Four run, and you can know everything you need to know about the Marvel Universe. Pretty much, like even today. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So so yeah, that's all I got. Okay, uh, is that your last book? You got another one? No, I'm good. Okay, this is my last book. Books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, the one I'm gonna do is, and this is actually Stan Lee who said that this was his favorite book. Uh, okay. Actually, Amazing Spider-Man number 96 through 98. Now, I'm going to give you a disclaimer because this is actually the first Marvel book, and DC book also, that weren't authorized by the Comics Code Authority. Back mm-hmm. then, they had censorship that you couldn't do this, couldn't do that. Stan Lee said, we're going to do this anyway. And they said, okay, you're going to do it without our consent. And they put yeah. the book out. In- I, heard about, I heard about this one. So, yeah. based on what happened with the book, uh, Spider-Man is doing his old Spider-Man thing. <clears throat> He's swinging around, and he sees this black kid uh, on top of a, a skyscraper, high as a fucking kite. You know, zoned, zoned out of his head. And he's just dizzy, and he thinks he can fly. That's how high he is on whatever whatever shit he's on right now. He jumps off the building, thinks he can fly. Spider-Man catches him, and he's like, man, what the hell is this guy on? Obviously, he's on some like really bad drugs for him to do what he did. But he didn't have time because he got to meet. Uh, he's got to meet everybody at this uh, Broadway play because Harry Osborn invited everybody out because he wants Norman, his dad, to meet his new girlfriend, Mary Jane Watson. And so Peter Parker shows up there. Also, he shows the Blake. He still shows up there. And when he shows up there, Mary Jane almost forgets that Harry's even in the room. She's looking at, "Hey, Peter, I haven't seen you in a while." I remember high school used to call you Puny Parker, but they can't call you that now. You know, like rubbing on him and stuff. Here, like, wait, what the fuck? You know, but while they're doing that, and Mary, Mary Jane's like, we'll go in, but I gotta wait for my other friend that comes in named Randy. Randy is a black dude that comes in, and Randy's like, the reason I'm late because I just heard about this kid that jumped off a building because he was high on some shit, you know. And uh, and Norman Osborne like, well, I don't care about that dude. And and Randy's trying to tell him, like, everybody keeps thinking that the drug problem is just in the black community. Now, this is not me saying it, this is Stan Lee saying it. It's like, they think it's just related to the black community. No, it's bigger than the black community. Drugs can affect everybody. It can even affect you. And he looks directly at Norman Osborn. He's like, me? I don't have anything to do with drugs. You know, he says that while at nighttime he's taking super steroids to be the Green Goblin to go and attack people. But that's another story here nor here nor there. So he tells him, I have nothing to do with that with drugs. That is a problem for poor people, for black people. I don't have a problem with that. He's like, yes, it's a problem with us because since the black people, and you know, they ain't, you know, ethnic groups like us, we're the disenfranchised, they're going to come after us first. But they'll attack anybody, and it's a drug problem need to be concerned with everybody. And Norman Osborn says, you have money and influence. You could be doing something about this, but you don't want to do anything about it because you think it's not your problem. You know, Peter kind of jumps in, stops him from arguing, stuff like that. And, you know, they go into the, you know, Broadway, stuff like that. And, and that's it, you know. 
cut to the next day uh yeah no uh harry tries to approach mary jane on, you know why were you all up on peter like that don't you be my girl stuff like that mary jane dumps him you know <laughs> and harry gets depressed he's like damn my girlfriend just dumped me but while he gets dumped he's in college this pusher comes to him and the push comes to him man i saw i saw the whole thing man i saw how oh you know what i might have read this like I said, I it's, a, it's a classic story. You probably I might have read this. Yeah, this is like fucking bring up. Yeah, it sounded familiar. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna keep going. Right? It's Harry. Yeah, H- Harry. Yeah. yeah so okay, the push. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the push. It comes to Harry. He's like, man, I saw the whole thing. I saw how your girl dumped you. That's brutal. I got something to take your mind off of it. So Harry pays him. He slips up some pills. Harry's like, look, I'm gonna just do this one time because I gotta get my mind off Mary Jane because she just broke my heart and I gotta get over this. So I'm gonna just do this one time. And that's it, you know. Uh, but he's fucking pissed. So he comes back to his apartment, you know, because him and Peter are roommates stuff like that. And he was, and Peter's like, "Hey, what's going on here?" He like, "You're the reason she dumped me," you know, pointing at Peter stuff like that. Like, if it wasn't for you, because basically he's trying to blame because Gwen Stacy's gone to you know England stuff like that. Mary Jane thinking, "Oh, he's single now. I can go. I can jump from he, uh, Harry to Peter." He like, "You're the reason that I lost my girl today." And Peter, and this is the coldest shit I've ever heard <laughs> Spider Man say. He like. Look, if you can't hang on to your girl, I'm not the one to blame. I'm like, oh shit. And and Harry's like, oh, oh, you you Harry Big Nuts now. Okay, you you can talk tough to me. Remember whose name is on the lease while you're trying to talk big and bad. And Peter's like, you know what? I'm gonna go sleep somewhere else tonight. You have some issues. I'm gonna be back in the morning. Hopefully you'll have calmed down by then. So Peter leaves. Cause he's like, if he stays there, he's gonna knock the shit out of Harry. So he just leaves and go do his Spider-Man shit. He's out all night. Comes back in the morning, he thinking, okay, Harry's gonna be asleep, so I can just walk in the room and not have to worry about his bullshit. Walks to the room, Harry has OD'd on the pills. Passed out, foaming at the mouth, pills everywhere, all over the bed. He like, oh shit. So Peter, you know, takes him to the hospital and stuff like that. Uh, you know, worried about what's going on. And he finds the pusher that sold Harry the drugs. And he's like, You the one that did that, you the one that sold my, my friend and almost killed my friend. And the, and the push like, oh, are you gonna snitch on me? You you gonna rat me out to the police? And so he does his whistle, and two more goons come out of nowhere. He like, uh, let's take care of this guy before he go tell everybody. So Peter kicks the shit out of all of them. Not Spider Man. Peter fucks these dudes up and tells them, if you ever do this shit again, I'm gonna make it even worse than it was last time. Doesn't even care if they know he's Spider Man or not. He just beats the fuck out of them. You know, runs them off. So cut back to uh the Daily Bugle. And J. Jonah Jameson calls uh, Robbie Robinson back into the office. He's like, okay, this story you're trying to run with Harry Osborne. Uh, you do know that Norman is our biggest advertiser, right? If we run the story, we're going to lose our ad revenue. And Robbie's like, come on, Jameson. Don't tell me you care about that stuff now. He's like, I don't. But I need to know what kind of angle you're going to run. They're like, okay, the angle I'm going to run is that, and he said the same thing the other guy did before. Everybody thinks that uh, drugs are a problem for the ghetto. A problem for the hood, a problem for the black community. But if I run this story with Harry Osborne in it, they show that he's rich and he's a son of a billionaire. He got cars and money and he can get any woman he wants and he gets affected by drugs. Then the people will understand that drugs can affect anybody, not just the black community. They open their eyes to what's going on. And James looks back at him like, huh, what you standing around for? Go write the story. <laughs> you know, and that's how the story ends. I missed a whole bunch of other shit. Uh, Super Spider-Man fight a bunch of supervillains and shit, but I cut that shit. I just got to the main meat of the story. And it's pretty interesting what they were doing. It's like I said, it's a human drama. 
And I see that Stan Lee was affected by, you know, he always want to put his social commentary on stuff. And he wanted to do it with the war on drugs also. And he wanted to tell it in comic book format, which, you know, most people were scared to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I now, thought, did this come out before or after uh, that Green, Green Arrow, Arrow and Green Arrow? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I want to say it's before because, like I said, they made a huge deal about, you know, the Comics Code Authority being on there. But like I said, the Green Arrow story, for those that don't know, Speedy was addicted to heroin. You know, mm-hmm. that was a huge story also. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that story came out because I think this story was written in 1971. And the uh, Green Arrow story, I'm not really sure when that came out. But, yeah, Stan Lee saw a problem and he wanted to put his input on it and he used it in comic book form to combat the problem. Now, some people... So this... No, go ahead. I'm just saying, like you said, if you did a story like this today, some people would say he's SJW, he's pushing an agenda, he shouldn't put the comic books is not the the place to tell a story like that. Well, why isn't it? It's a literary form. Why can't it be a place to tell a story like that? Yeah. Now this is, so this is, uh, so Gwen Stacy is still alive, right? She's still alive, but like I said, it's issue 98, she dies in issue 121, so the clock is ticking. Okay, yeah, because I... I do vaguely remember Harry Harry being like depressed and yeah strung out. I wonder if this is like the start of that because that that's what I yeah yeah and he kind of went went him back in to rehab and stuff yeah yeah so so yeah crazy stuff like I said this book five out of five awesome story I see why Stan Lee my past comments called the right story because this story needed to be told and it need to be told in a comic format because who reads this shit. Kids, teenagers, people that could be peer pressure into drugs. So they're the main ones that need to be targeted for this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's all I got. So, uh, shit, you don't have any books, do you? No, that's it. I, th- those three Fantastic Four books were enough. Yeah, and those three <laughs> Spider-Man books I just did, that's enough. So, yeah, uh, so if anybody is still listening to what we did, I want you to know that what we just did was that we, we mourned Stan Lee's death, but at the same time we celebrated his life. Because really, we just touched the iceberg of all the impact that he did on stuff. We can keep going and stuff like that, but I think we've done enough. And there's going to be a bunch of other podcasts that are going to do their own spin at all. So, but we basically wanted to celebrate this guy's life, this guy's legacy, everything he's done, every, his impact on us, his impact on you. And just, you know, and, and a lot of you don't know, he's more than just the cameo guy. Yeah. Like, he has a bigger impact on, on fiction than that. He's going to be known as the greats. He's going to be known as Tolkien. And you know Twain and all these other guys, he's gonna be in that. Yeah. In that Shakespeare, movie. Shakespeare, <laughs> he's gonna be in that category. Yeah, when it's all yeah. said and done, when the smoke clears, you know. So that's all I got. Rest in peace, Stan Lee. Uh, thank you for, you know. Yes, being thank you, you Stan. Yeah, yeah just yeah. thank you. Just hell, no said. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Uh, yeah, no shit. Excelsior. Excelsior. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that being said, this is Leroy. This is Eli. Yep. Enough said.